Let me invite you back to the book of Hebrews this morning and uh, find your place there in Hebrews chapter 10. As we start a new year, I wanted to do a standalone sermon. Uh, The title is Three Ways to Respond to the Work of Christ in 2023. Here's the big question, uh, the thing that sort of helps me think through what this passage is saying to my heart and I believe saying to us. The question is, what might God be wanting to do in you in the new year? What might God be wanting to do in you in the new year? And so as we think about this, looking at this passage, I want to just read the, the beginning of our passage uh, again, verses 19 and following, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, and then I want to kind of lay the background work, some of the things that have been going on in the book of Hebrews leading up to this as we think about what the Word of God is saying in this passage. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus Christ, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full, insur- and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more so as you see the day approaching. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would help me to preach what lines up with your word this morning. I pray that you would give me clarity of thought, clarity of speech, uh, that you would be glorified and honored by all that I say this morning. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people. I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us and comfort us through your word and through your Holy Spirit this morning. We ask all of these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. As I think about the background, I want to go back and read a few verses that precede this passage. Uh, The book of Hebrews, you heard me a couple of weeks ago uh, complain that the women's Bible study group would not let me join them to study the book of Hebrews because I love the book of Hebrews. But the book of Hebrews really is a wonderful book. It is encouraging because it really is showing that Jesus is greater. If I was going to put the book of Hebrews into one phrase, that would be the phrase, Jesus is greater. If you look through uh, the, the beginning of the book of Hebrews, it goes on to talk about all of these different things that Jesus is greater than, that he is greater than angels, that he is greater than those who have preceded. His way, his covenant is greater than the old covenant. Jesus is the greatest, is sort of the theme of the book of Hebrews. And as we find our way leading all the way through to chapter 10, I want to read 10 verses 12 down to verse 18, because this sort of sets up what we've read already this morning. In verse 12 it says, but this man, talking about Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, the Lord says, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. 
and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now therefore, there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. I'm sorry, now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. What we see is, Jesus' one-time sacrifice of his life was greater than all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament. All of the sacrifices of the Old Testament were simply pointing to the one sacrifice that would come, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Savior of the world. His sacrifice did not have to be repeated every year. There was no annual sacrifice of Jesus for sins. No, he was the perfect Lamb of God. He was sacrificed once, and because he was sacrificed once, we can find the forgiveness of our sins. And so his sacrifice was greater. And so that's sort of the introduction. That's what chapter 10 is beginning with. And as we, uh, as we read that, then it reads on down to some things that, that work itself out in our lives. Because Jesus' sacrifice is better, because Jesus' sacrifice is complete, because Jesus' sacrifice is final and it never has to be done again, because all who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ are made right, not for a minute, not for a day, not for a week, but those who place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ are made right forever and for all eternity because that is true, because he is the greater sacrifice, how should we live? That's a great question. Verses 19 through 25 give us some ways that we should live in light of the work of God. So as we think about God's work through the Lord Jesus Christ, how should we live in the new year? How should we respond to it? First of all, I want you to see there in verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart. The first thing that we ought to do as believers in the new year is make sure that we're drawing near to the Lord, that we are walking closely with him. There is a lot in these verses. He says in verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, we have boldness to enter into the presence of God. Uh, the, the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies, was the place where God was manifest, where he was made visible. Only the high priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies one time a year, and that time was there to make that sacrifice for sins. But you see, Jesus made the once-for-all sacrifice for sins, and Scripture actually tells us as he died there on the cross, the great big thick wall of cloth, the veil that separated the Holy of Holies, was torn from top to bottom. And it was torn from top to bottom because there was no more separating us from the presence of God who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am his and he is mine. Now, I ought to always enter the presence of God carefully, but I can enter boldly because I'm a child, because I have been redeemed, because I am his, because he calls me his own, because he has given me and you who are believers the authority to enter into his presence. How often do we do that? How often do we just cry out, Abba, Father? Or how often do we pray? God, you know what's going on in my life right this moment. I just want you to be at work in this. Or, Lord, you see this need. Or, you know what's going on in my family members' lives. And we boldly just cry out to God and enter into his presence, and we bring our request to him. We ought to do that, and we ought to do it all the more so. We ought to be doing it more than ever before. We ought to draw near to God. Verse 20 says, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way 
through the curtain, that is through his flesh. It's what we celebrate when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We talk about how his flesh and his blood was spilled before, uh, for our needs so that we might have a relationship with him, so that we might have access to him. His sacrifice brought us into right relationship, those of us who have placed our faith in him. Verse 21 says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, there is no more sacrifice needed because he has made the once for all sacrifice, we are in right relationship with him. Those of us who know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are in right relationship with Jesus. We know him as our Savior. We know him as our Lord. We are right with God, and that will not be undone. We didn't do it. We can't undo it. It was through the work and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so verse 22, it says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. So we ought to draw near to God. Uh, there are several ways that I think we ought to draw near to God. We ought to spend more time praying in 2023 than we ever have before. We ought to be a people of prayer. How can we draw near to God is by spending time with him. I have been, uh, it's been so good to spend time with my family over these last couple of weeks. Uh, we, we had a staycation. It was good to see them. They may be ready to go back to school. They may be done with me, but it has been good to be with them. We've spent a lot of time near. I, I want to be with them. I want to see them. I want to talk with them. I want to, to do all of the things with them. I want to go to church with them. I want to sing praises to God with them. It is about being with them. And the same is true for our relationship with God. We should desire to be in his presence. We ought to be praying more than ever. We ought to be praying more than ever. But we ought to be reading God's word more than ever. There are hundreds, literally hundreds of Bible reading plans uh, I don't know if you've looked or if you plan or how you plan to read the Word of God, but you ought to be looking. There are five-day-a-week plans so that you can read Monday through Friday and spend the weekends catching up. There are seven-day-a-week plans. There are plans that lead you all the way through the Bible in a year. There are plans that lead you just through the New Testament in the year. There are, there are plans where you just focus on different books of the Bible. But whatever, however, you ought to be reading the Word of God more than ever before. We ought to draw near. We ought to want to be with Him. But, but there is a caveat here. There is something else here in verse 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We ought to be sure that we are in right relationship with Jesus. The only way to draw near is through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. And so if we're going to draw near, if we're going to spend time in, in his word, if we're going to spend time in his presence praying, if we're going to spend time gathered together as a church family, one of the very first things we ought to do is be absolutely sure that we are in right relationship with Jesus. Uh, two, two examples come to mind. Uh, several years ago, I was preaching at the church where I came to Christ. Uh, there was a lady uh, who had uh, been there longer than I'd been there. She'd been there a long time, decades. And, and that Sunday, as I believe we were celebrating homecoming, if I remember correctly, she walked the aisle and she gave her life to the Lord. And her testimony was, I've been sitting in that pew for decades, not sure if I was right with the Lord, but too embarrassed to say something publicly. But I've come under conviction and I want to make sure that I'm, I've gotten things right. I've talked with the pastor and now I know that I know that I know that I know Jesus. Friends, if you're wrestling with whether or not you know Jesus, it is an easy way to be sure that you know. I would love to talk with you. Maybe you say, I don't want to come down at the invitation and talk about that. It's, it's a longer conversation than that. I'd love to meet with you in the office. 
But I'd also love to encourage you. First John, the book of First John, there's a whole bunch of purpose statements in the book of First John. John says, I am writing to you so that you might know this. But one of the things that he says at the very end, I think it's 5 verse 13 if I'm not mistaken, he says, I write so that you might know that you have everlasting life. John's first epistle, the book of 1 John, is written so that we might know that we belong to the Lord. We need to settle this in our hearts. We need to know, as a, my pastor used to say, we ought to know that we know that we know. If you're wrestling in your heart, if you're saying, well, I think I know Jesus, I think I'm right with God, don't think about it. Know for sure. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to, to look at God's word so that you can settle that in your heart. Here's a second example. I remember when I first became under conviction for my sin. I did not grow up in a church family. I'm thankful most of my family knows Jesus now. I'm very thankful for that. But I did not grow up in a church home. A friend invited me to church. He invited me to, because they were having food on a Sunday night. I'm telling you, I was a Baptist from the start. <laughs> but as I started going, I heard the gospel. I heard about sin. I heard about lostness. I heard about the need for a Savior. And as that pastor faithfully preached the gospel, I became under conviction. I, I would hate the invitation time. I would stand and I would hold on to the pew in front of me, just white-knuckling it, thinking, he's talking to me. And finally, one Sunday, I just was under so much conviction, I walked the aisle and said, uh, I, I don't know what, I don't even know what I said. Something about I need Jesus or I don't know what I need. I need to be saved. I wasn't sure. I was just tired of being under conviction during the invitation time. So the pastor ran through a prayer. He did, he did what his part was, but I, the problem was me. He could have said, Richard, you need to come up and do a hula hoop on the stage next Sunday. I was so miserable under conviction, I would have given it my best effort. I met back in his office, and he asked me to pray, and I would have prayed anything that he said if, he, if I could have just quit feeling the way that I was feeling on Sunday mornings. So I prayed a prayer with him, and I did what he asked me to do, and a couple of weeks later, I was baptized. The only problem is that feeling of conviction stayed because all I was doing is saying, Pastor, tell me what to do so that I don't feel this way during the invitation time. The problem was I had not given my life to Jesus. I had not repented of my sins. I just said, I don't want to feel this way anymore. It took a couple of months for me to understand what happened. It took a couple of months of of the Holy Spirit's conviction in my life. Several months later, I, I realized that I was lost, that I had never repented of my sins. I never had really placed my faith in Jesus. I just went forward and told the pastor that I needed to be saved and said yes to everything he said. And so I walked the aisle anew, and I talked to my youth pastor, and I said, I'm lost, and I need Jesus more than I need anything else. And I prayed a prayer, but it was a prayer from my heart saying, God, I don't know what all of this means. I don't know everything you're asking me to do. But I know that I am lost in my sins and Jesus is my only hope. I placed my faith in Jesus that night. Several weeks later, I was baptized, actually on my 13th birthday. I get to celebrate that every year. But you see, I, it's not about just walking the aisle and saying a prayer. It's about repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Jesus. If you're sitting in a pew wrestling with, do I know Jesus? Friend, I'd love to talk with you. It's my testimony. I can walk you through Scripture. We can be sure that you know Jesus. So one of our responsibilities in the new year is to draw near to God, but we're to draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. 
The Lord Jesus has provided a new and greater way. In fact, he's provided the only way to God through his new and greater sacrifice. And so we ought to draw near to God with full assurance. Secondly, though, we ought to hold on to hope without wavering. Look with me, if you will, at verse 23. It says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. I love a new year. I love a new start. I love a fresh beginning. I saw a cartoon uh, this week that said, uh, what are uh, New Year's resolutions? And the other person said, they're a to-do list for the first, year, first week of the year. And I thought that was kind of accurate. So we make all these promises. We either get them done in the first week or we don't do them. And, and that's kind of the way it is. But I love the fresh start. I love to think about the new uh, year of possibility. But I don't know what the new year holds. I don't know what will happen next week or next month or next year. I'm not sure what's just around the corner. And so I, I, don't, I can't hold on just thinking that this will be a great year. It may be a great year. It may be a wonderful year or it may be a challenging year. The truth is it will be a good year for some of us, and for some of us it will be a very difficult year. But here in verse 23 he says, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. You see, I don't know a lot of what will happen this year, but I do know some things. I know that the world, the flesh, and the devil will do everything that they can to get us to waver on our faith. They want us to compromise. The world would love for us to just sort of compromise on our faith in Jesus, to just sort of go halfway and to go, yeah, well, I love Jesus, but I'm not really going to be that committed. I mean, I'm not going to be at church every Sunday. I'm not going to read my Bible all the time. I'm not going to pray regularly. I'm not going to be concerned about my brothers and sisters. and I'm just going to sort of live out my faith for me. I'm not going to be very public with it. I'm not going to tell anybody about Jesus this year. And yet the contrast here in Scripture is because of Jesus' work, he says, let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering since he who promised is faithful. What is the confession of our hope? Jesus is Lord. We ought to hold on to that. Why should we hold on to it? Because it makes all the difference in our lives. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the Savior of the world, and that changes everything, and we ought to hold on to that when everything else is, is, is trouble and, and, and difficulty around us. We cling to the truth that makes a difference in our lives. So we hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering. We don't back up. We don't compromise, we don't waver, we don't give in, we just keep holding on to Jesus no matter what. I love the way that that verse ends, since he who promised is faithful. See, it's not about our faithfulness, but it's about the faithfulness of our Savior. Jesus is absolutely faithful. He will not be found lacking. He will not abandon us. He will not leave us. He can be trusted when everything else is troubles and problems, Jesus can be trusted. So let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who promised is faithful. So we ought to draw near to God with full assurance. We ought to hold on to hope without wavering. But then thirdly this morning, I want us to watch out for one another. Uh, look what it says here in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting together to, um, to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more so as you see the day approaching. This is a beautiful couple of verses, a great encouragement and a good challenge for us at the new year. Let us consider one another. That is, let us think about one another. You know who we don't have any problems thinking about? That is ourselves. We think about self all the time. In fact, we do it unconsciously. You may have already thought about what you want for lunch today, haven't you? Some of you already thought about and had what you wanted for breakfast this morning. Nobody has to say to us, think about yourselves. We do that automatically. We are automatically uh, thinking about who we are and what we want and how we want. But Scripture here calls to our attention and says, let us consider one another. Let us think about each other. Let us stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about one another. Look at all the one another's in the room. I want you to look around. Don't look at me. Look around at all the one another's this morning. Look at them. Those of you over here, look at those over there. That's, I know that's not the best side of the church, but, you know, look at them. <laughs> you over here, look. I know that's not the best side of the church. Y'all go, the middle, I don't know what to tell y'all to do. I don't know. But we're brothers and sisters in Christ here. We're part of a church family. We're called together. And Scripture here, not just here, but all throughout Scripture says, we ought to call to our attention one another. We ought to live and be thinking about one another. And so in the new year, let us consider one another. But how should we consider one another? Should we start and think, well, you know, I don't like the people on that other side over there. I mean, did you hear how they sang? That guy sang out of tune, and he, he still sang as loud as he could, and, and look at what he's wearing. None of you have ever thought that way, have you? Is that what Scripture says, for that we ought to think and encourage one another, think about one another, let us consider one another? How? In order to provoke love and good works. I love that idea of provoking love. Provoking, all right? Anybody, anybody have siblings? All right, you, you're, under, you're familiar with the concept of provoking, right? That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about provoking love in one another. We ought to encourage love in each other and in good works. We ought to be spurring one another on to love and good works. We ought to be challenging one another to be more consistent in love and good works for God. Let us consider one another. I was doing some research. I'm going to look on my phone and share with you. Depending on how you count them, there are somewhere between 41 and 59 one another passages, and I want to share some of these with you because I want you to get the idea that we're not lone rangers in our faith. First of all, God has called us into his family and made all of us a part of his family but then he's placed us here at Scott Lake Baptist Church and made us part of a local body of believers, and we have a responsibility towards one another. We are called into this family. You're here, and you're my brother and sister, and I've got obligations to you. It's not just to say, hey, and on Sunday mornings, and, and that's it. I'm called to pray for you. I'm called to love you. I'm called to challenge you and encourage you and provoke you on to love and good works, but there's a whole lot more. I can't cover them all, but let me run through some of these. Be at peace with one another, Mark 9, 50. Don't grumble among one another. I'm just telling you every Baptist should highlight that in their Bible. Don't grumble among one another. Don't grumble among one another. All right. Don't make me revisit that, okay? Be of the same mind with one another. 
wait for one another before beginning the Lord's Supper. I love this. I had to go and actually look it up. I wanted to confirm that it was right. Galatians 5.15, don't bite, devour, and consume one another, all right? Uh, we, we have a rule in our house, don't bite your friends. It's off of a cartoon. I can't even tell you what cartoon it's off of, but all right, let's don't do that. We don't bite and devour one another. Number seven, don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another and do not repay evil for evil. Do not complain against one another. Baptist, highlight it, all right? Confess sin to one another. Love one another. Through love, serve one another. I like this one. Sometimes it's hard to love. Sometimes it's hard to serve. So I believe this is here, Ephesians 4.2 tolerate one another. Sometimes we just got to be honest, right? Sometimes it's, it's easier to tolerate than to love and to serve, but maybe we move from tolerate to love and to serve. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be honest with you, there's one that he's actually listed, I think, four times in the New Testament. I'm going to ignore it. Greet one another with a kiss, okay? We're not doing that. I like a lot of you, most of you I really like. There's only one of you I'm greeting with a kiss. Okay, maybe I need to be more specific. I'm only greeting Bethany with a kiss, okay? That's it. We're going to move on. We're not stressing that one. We're not coming back. Be devoted to one another in love. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourself. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty. Be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourself in humility towards one another. Do not judge one another and do not put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Uh, Bear one another's burdens, speak truth to one another, do not lie to one another, comfort one another, and it goes on and on and on. But we've got a lot of responsibilities towards one another. Those one another are our obligations to each other. You see, when we signed up to be a part of the family of God, it means we're a part of a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got obligations to one another, not just the ones we sit near, not just the ones that are our age, not just the ones in our service, but as a church family, we've got obligations to one another. We need to love and encourage and pray for one another. We need to support one another. We don't need to grumble against one another. Let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need to be encouraging one another. Anybody, can anybody use some encouraging in the new year? All right. So I heard a lot of amens. So who's going to do it? Like if we all need encouraging, who's going to do it? We have to say, you know what, I need encouraging, and so I'm going to be an encourager. Like all of us, if you belong to Jesus today, this is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to all the believers you know, but particularly the believers you know that are in your church family. We're called by the word of God and the authority of God to encourage one another. We know that we need it. We, I mean, I know we all need encouraging. 
And so if we know that we need encouraging, we know that our brothers and our sisters need encouraging. And isn't it interesting that God's word knows it and calls us to be those who are the encouragers? Like if you're grumpy, get over it. Jesus has made all things new. He's changed you. He's made you a new creation. He hasn't, he hasn't redeemed you so you can be a grumpy old man the rest of your life. He's redeemed you so you can be an encourager for his children. Men, I just wasn't going to say grumpy old lady, okay? So you just need to know that, all right? We all wrestle with that. There's a movie coming out. I don't know if I should recommend it. I haven't seen it yet. I think it comes out this week. It's got Tom Hanks in it, but it's based on a book, and I read the book. A man named Otto, and it's about this grumpy old man who is just really happy being grumpy, and I believe a, a young child reaches him. We need to be the encouragers. We need to be those who love one another. I, I love the way this passage ends. But encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. I don't know this day that is approaching is the day of the Lord. It is the coming back, the second coming of the Lord Jesus. I don't know when that's going to happen, but here's what I do know. We met last Sunday morning and celebrated Christmas together, and here we are this morning celebrating New Year's, and we are one week closer to the day than we were last year. And if the Lord allows, we'll meet next Sunday morning and we will again be one day closer to the return of the Lord. We're closer than we've ever been. Even if it is years and decades off, we're closer now than anybody has ever been to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if I read this passage right, it says, but encourage each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we're closer than ever, so we ought to be encouraging each other more than we ever have before. Like, this ought to be the most encouraging year in the house of the Lord, 2023. And then if we are standing here next year, entering 2024, we ought to be even more encouraging. And we just keep growing in our encouragement and our love for one another. Can I tell you, this sermon is not a sermon for the first week of 2023. It's a sermon for every week of 2023. We need to enter boldly knowing that we know Jesus. We need to enter into his presence, draw near to God. We need to hold on to hope without wavering. We need to watch out for one another. We need to be encouraging more than we have ever been. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this new year, this fresh start. God, I pray for your folks here at Scott Lake Baptist Church. God, I pray that we would take the one another seriously, that we would look around our church family and we would look for those who need encouragement, for those that need to be encouraged and loved and provoked on to love and good works. I pray it won't be something that we do today and forget about next week, but God, I pray that it would be our habit in the new year and that we would just be more and more encouraging day by day as we get closer to your return. God, I pray that we would love one another, that we would care for one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would pray for one another, that we would think of others higher than ourselves, that we would draw near 
we would not forsake the gathering together, that we would long to see our brothers and sisters and long to worship together. God, if there are those that are here that are wrestling with their faith, wrestling with the decision, not sure if they know Jesus, I pray that they might settle that very quickly in the new year. Pray that maybe I'd have an opportunity to talk with them or pray with them this morning during the invitation or set up an appointment to meet with them in the weeks ahead. God, I pray that each person in this room would know you and walk in confidence because of what you've done in their lives. God, would you watch over our church family? May this be a great year for Scott Lake Baptist Church. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what part of the message hits you, but I suspect that the Holy Spirit has spoken to hearts this morning. I know that he's spoken to mine. If the Lord's laid a decision on your heart, I'd love to pray with you and talk with you about it. I'll be right down front. If there's something that we need to talk about more in depth, I'd love to talk with you and call the office. I'll give you my cell phone this morning. I'd love to talk with you this week. But I hope that you know the Lord Jesus, and I hope that you'll be serious about serving him and encouraging each other in the new year. Let's stand. We're going to sing a, a hymn of invitation, hymn number 287. If the Lord's laid a decision on your heart, you be obedient to him. It was wonderful to start the new year with you all. I, I tell you, I was so ready to be here this morning, so ready to sing praises to God. Thank you for being here. I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you and watch over you in the new year, and we just trust that he will pour out his blessings on your life. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to ask Brother Allen to come and close us out in prayer and pray for the offering, if you will, and uh, appreciate you, Brother Allen. Pray with me, please, as we close today. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you asking that you would bless us as we leave this place and as we go into a brand new year. It's a golden opportunity to start over, to start fresh. Yes, we can make resolutions, but what we need is to rely on your word. We need to rely on each other. We need to encourage one another, help one another. 
Help us to do that in this coming week and in this coming year. As we go, help us to give that your house might be full. Lord, that your ministries would keep going both here and around the world. Bless us, we pray, in Jesus' blessed, most powerful, and most holy name. Amen.